Has anything terrible ever happened to you? It's a simple question. Has your life sucked? Tell her the truth. There is no truth. Drag out our story. Maybe all we've done is make a girl cry. She's talking about what happened. That's huge. Welcome to this episode of Third Degree Mind. Thank you for downloading this. Thank you for listening. Whether you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener since uh, Third Degree Mind was created 10 months ago, give or take, I'm happy to have you here regardless of which group uh, that you fall into. If you haven't subscribed, make sure you look us up on the Apple iTunes store. Subscribe there. You can follow on, follow on Facebook, Third Degree Mind. Easiest way to contact me is on the Facebook page, Third Degree Mind. You know, over the last two weeks or so, I've been cleaning out my garage. I My freezer in my kitchen is so full, and I never have any space to put anything in there. I constantly end up throwing out meat because I'll buy a large quantity of ground beef or, or chicken or something like that. And I'll put it in the fridge, it'll be fresh, and then it'll go bad before I can cook it and eat it, but I don't have anywhere in my freezer to put it. So a couple weeks ago, I decided it was time to get one of those uh, chest freezers. So I've been spending a lot of time cleaning out my garage so that I could fit it. Uh, One of the downsides of living in the uh, Pacific Southwest region here over in Las Vegas, uh, nobody has any basements. See, I grew up with a basement, so... My family had a, a deep freezer, chest freezer, and uh, kept it in the basement. It was the best place to keep those things. But I don't have that here, so the only space I really have to put one of those would be in the garage. So I decided I needed to get one. I started cleaning out the garage. I spent more time in my garage cleaning in the last two weeks than I've probably spent out in the garage uh, since I bought the house five years ago. It's actually crazy to think about. I can't believe I've been in this house five years. Side note, one of my neighbors is selling her house. She bought her house even after I did. I was already moved in and settled here when she moved in next door to me, and she just put her house on the market this week. It's it's crazy how time flies. It's crazy how how often people change where they live. You know, you buy a house, and what she's been there maybe three years, I'm going to guess. Three years later, she's already selling and, and moving and she's not even moving far away. She's just moving up the street. I just, I don't, I don't understand the logic there. But nevertheless, people in their lives need change. She's cleaning out her house to move on to something that's better for her, whatever that situation is. I've been cleaning out my garage in order to make space for something else that I need in there. Garage is a finite amount of space. It can only hold so much. And for a while there, it looked like, you know, hoarder status. Mild hoarder, I would say. Little pathway from the door to the driver's side door of my car with shit all over on both sides. It was just, it was just full of stuff. 
And like I said, it's a finite amount of space. You can only fit so much stuff in there. So when I want to get a freezer, I don't have any space for that. I, I have to clean stuff out. I had to throw stuff away, reorganize, reorganize the shelving units so I could get more stuff off the floor and onto shelves in order to make space for something else that I needed. It's not unlike moving when you go through and you get rid of a lot of stuff in order to make your move, your transition easier or smoother. So, of course, while I'm out there cleaning that out, I'm thinking about, you know, getting rid of the old in order to make room for the new. And, you know, that's exactly what we do in our lives. We we have a finite amount of space and a finite amount of time that we can fit different things into. And we have to prioritize the things that are in our lives, the activities that are in our lives. We talked a little bit about that a, a, a few weeks back about setting your priorities for, for what you want to do with your life. But it's the same thing when you talk about people in your life. You may not realize it, but you have a finite capacity. You have a limited capacity for relationships. You can't have 1,000 really, really close friends. You might have 1,000 acquaintances, but you can't have a tight relationship with all of them because there's not enough hours in the day to nurture and feed and grow that relationship. It's not unlike an intimate relationship. There's there's no way to have... Uh, well, shit, I'll use Solomon as an example from uh, from the Bible. Solomon in the Old Testament is said to have had, what is it, 700 wives and 300 concubines? Concubine being basically like just a whore. Someone just to have sex with. So 1,000 women... This man had to keep happy. There's no way that he had an intimate, close, emotional relationship with all 1,000 of them. Well, sure, only three, 300 of them were, were strictly sexual. So just think about the other 700. 700 wives? How the hell does that happen? We have a finite capacity for how many relationships we can actually have. There's only so much space for people that you can let in and that you can actually be close to. Months back, we were talking about having a notebook and writing stuff down and, and using that as a way to, uh, to for, um, what's the word I'm looking for? An expression or a venting or an outlet you know, writing down emotions. We talked about writing out song lyrics. What I want you to do is sit down and think about uh, the people in your life that are close to you. And I want you to make a list. Start listing those people out and look at a list of people that are close to you that are what you would consider in your mind, and obviously this is subjective, but that's the whole point of this exercise, is it's, it's subjective to you and what makes sense or what's rational in your mind. 
It's not me telling you you can only have 10 friends. That's not the point. But make a list and look at how many people you try to build positive relationships with. Boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, uh, brother, sister, coworkers, other friends. Anybody that's close to you in your life, and it doesn't need to be ranked or anything like that, just start listing names as they come to you. And I want you to see, just for your own visual understanding, how many people are on that list. Maybe you'll write down a few names that you used to be close with, uh, but maybe you're not as close anymore, but you would like to be. I mean, as you're writing this list out, you might, you might, uh, uh, I don't know, what I, what I did the last time I did this, I, I put a plus sign next to the ones that I wanted to be closer with. So I'd write out a list, let's just use 10 as a number, so I write down the 10 closest people to me in my life, and I'll put a plus sign next to any name that I've kind of grown distant to, or there's been some recent distance, but that I would like to get closer And then the other thing, as you're writing these down, and you think about each of these individual people, think about what types of lifestyles they live. Think about what types of vibes they give off. Are they happy people? Are they sad? Are they depressed? Are they angry? Are they funny? Think about some of of those characteristics of each of those people, and think about why, especially the ones that you put a plus sign next to, but I want you to think about why these people are the ones that you chose for this list. What is it about John Smith that he made this list? What is it about Jane that you put a plus sign next to her name and that you would like to be closer What happened with your relationship with Kevin or whoever? What happened in that friendship that over the last year or two or three that maybe you've started to drift apart but you would like to bring closer together? Think about about all those things. You might use two different pages in that notebook. One might be list of names with those plus sign. Maybe it was a check mark, whatever. And then maybe another page, you'll you'll write one, and then you'll leave a few lines blank underneath, and you'll write out uh, some of those characteristics that we're talking about. And the reason that I want you to do this, or at least think about it, if you're not that visual type of person where you would like to where you like to write stuff out, at least just think about some of these things. Because what I want you to do is think about toxicity in your life. Toxic people. And we've talked about that a little bit before. Removing toxic people from your life. As I'm cleaning out my garage and I'm, I'm getting rid of some of the old in order to make room for the new, I'm thinking about, because we have that finite capability for how many relationships we can maintain at a time, how many friendships we can maintain at a time. If I'm at capacity and I meet someone new that's going to come into my life, 
Maybe it's a new girlfriend. Maybe it's a new coworker that I'm just really close with. Maybe it's a new friend that I, whatever, ride motorcycles with, go golfing with, go to the bar with. Whatever the case is, someone new comes into my life. But if I'm already at capacity, one of those other relationships is, is going to suffer. Maybe not by choice. But again, think about it in the fact that you have a finite capacity for how many strong relationships you can maintain. Sometimes people talk about like, well, this this person is my best friend. And that may very well be, but what happens when one of you moves 2,000 miles away? Is that person going to stay your best friend? I don't know. Maybe. But maybe not. Maybe your lives start taking different directions and it's not that you chose to not be friends with this person or it's not that you don't get along anymore but that relationship starts to slowly diminish not necessarily negatively but you're not spending all your time with that person talking to that person maybe you only see them a couple times a year now all of a sudden you have much more capacity for more friends or more of those connections and relationships. So they, you separate. You, you, you probably stay friends. You know, like I said, you still see each other a couple times a year, but that's not the same as seeing each other a couple times a week. So now all of a sudden you have that extra time a couple times a week to make new friends or spend time with different friends, and suddenly you get closer to different people, and that kind of thing happens throughout a lifetime. Very few people maintain the same top three list of best friends throughout their entire lives. Some of the closest people that I'm with now, the people that I'm closest with now in my life, I've only, some of them I've only known less than three years. I'm 29 years old. I have, I have a friend from my childhood that, you know, lives 2,000 miles away from me now that I moved. Still very good friends. Every time we're, uh, every time we're in the same town or whatever, we, you know, we make effort to, to see each other, spend time together, do, do what we can. We talk to each other occasionally uh, from opposite sides of the country. But it's not the same as when we lived in the same town you know, 10 minutes apart, and we'd hang out a couple times a week. That's just what happens in life. Think about your own life and think about if those people that were on the top of your list in high school or college are those same people still the top of your list. For most of us, the answer is no, and that's okay. That's just how life goes as we each go through our own lives you meet different people that have different interests maybe your interests change over time I know I'm a completely different person from what I was even five six years ago look at me 15 years ago when I was in high school holy shit you wouldn't even recognize me completely different person and maybe you're like that also. But I want you to think about toxic people. If you look at a list 
of people in your life that are negative, maybe they're constantly complaining, maybe they're constantly depressed, constantly upset. Maybe you're really close to this person, but they're going through a rough time, and as their friend, you let them vent to you, you let them, you know, talk to you, you try to help them, all those things. But some of that, or a lot of that, from a lot of different people, starts to get very toxic inside of your own mind. All right, if you're a psychiatrist or therapist of some kind, and all you deal with are people's problems and the negatives in life, it's going to start to have an effect on you. You know, emotions are extremely contagious. Some people are more sensitive to this than others. But emotions are contagious. And that's good and bad, okay? You know, the saying always goes that uh, laughter is contagious. But so is sadness. Think about when you were the happiest you've ever been. If, you, if one of your closest friends was the saddest, most depressed that they've ever been, and they came to you in your happy moment, would you want to listen to them? Think about that. Everybody's going to have a different answer. Would you want to listen to your very close friend that is in the lowest part of their life while you are in the highest part of your life? I'll use some examples, all right? So some people use to describe their happiest day or as an, as examples of their happiest day in their lives, maybe their wedding day. So if you're married, if you're happily married, use that as an example. If you have kids, maybe the birth of one of your children, the birth of your first child, the moment that you held your first child in your own arms, happiest day of your life, Right? Those are some examples. Now think about the saddest day of your life. Some extreme examples, maybe the unexpected death of a spouse. The one person that's closest to you, the death of your spouse unexpectedly, probably more traumatic than the loss of one of your parents. Unless that was unexpected also. Again, these answers are going to be different for everybody. But now think about you on that day when you're holding your firstborn child. What if your best friend just lost their spouse unexpectedly in a car accident that same day? Would you want them to come to you? And of course, we all say, absolutely, that's my best friend. I'll be there for them. And that's great. I'm not saying you shouldn't be. But do you think that'll have an effect on your happiness? Absolutely, it would. Absolutely, I would. That happy day in your life suddenly starts getting drowned out by the extreme sorrow and depression in somebody else's life. Because emotions are toxic. And sometimes negative emotions are even more toxic than the positive ones. Think about that example. 
what's more likely to happen? Are you more likely to bring your friend out of his misery and into a state of joy and happiness because he sees how happy you are holding your child? Or is it more likely that it'll just ruin your day? Which is more likely? I think it's sadness is more likely to be more contagious and affect the overall mood than the other way around. Maybe I'm just too pessimistic. I don't know. So those toxic, toxic people, they're so contagious. If you have toxic people in your life, you have to find a way to minimize those relationships for your own happiness. And I'm not talking about your best friend who is going through a divorce, and I'm not saying abandon that person because they're just so negative and it's going to affect your happiness. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if you have those people in your life that are so negative all the time over every situation, and all they do is complain, complain, and complain, you need to remove those people. I found a really interesting article on the uh, contagiousness of emotion. It talks about sympathetic criers, laughter being contagious. The Center for Cognitive and Social Neuroscience at the University of Chicago did a study on this. And they actually learned that the more expressive someone is, whether positive or negative, the more expressive someone is, the more likely it is that people around that person in their social group, the more likely those people are to notice it and mimic it. They learned that the muscle fibers in your face and your body and your body language, those nonverbal communication, those things that we can't always control, especially muscle, uh, what they call micro expressions on your face. You know, people that uh, people that are experts in deception detection, like lying, telling when someone's lying, they focus on micro-expressions, which are those little tiny muscle twitches in your face that are well beyond your conscious control. Those muscle twitches and those micro-expressions, someone else around you, subconsciously notices that and can recognize you're sad, you're happy, you're excited, you're scared, whatever. Basic body language. And then that emotion is more likely to get mimicked when that original person feeling that original emotion is, is more expressive. Those different muscle, ex muscle movements, those different micro-expressions, the University of Chicago learned that those are what actual tr actually trigger the actual emotion within the brain. Now, that's fascinating. So, when you see someone in fear, think of what an expression of fear looks like on someone's face. When you observe that, 
your initial subconscious reaction, depending on the intensity of that fear that that other person feels and and is displaying or expressing, you observe that and subconsciously your brain creates the feeling of fear within you. And it's so fast and it's so subconscious. If you're shopping in a mall and you see someone running through the mall with a look of horror on their face, what are most people going to think? I know, I know what I would think. Active shooter. Especially if I see a group of people running through the mall with a look of horror and fear and terror on their face. Intense, intense, strong fear. Everyone around them is going to think the same thing. Some researchers that were a part of this study, they said that a person's happiness is related to the happiness of their friends and their friends' friends and their friends' friends' friends. Which is, in simple terms, people well beyond their social horizon. Because if everyone's emotions are contagious and I'm the happiest person around, in theory, most people around me will be affected by that and will be happy because of that. And then they'll spread that happiness to their social group, which may be beyond mine, and so on and so forth, and it just keeps going. But the same thing happens with the negativity. So the happiest people are the ones that get their happiness from people well beyond their own social group. All right, happy people tend to be located in the center of their social network in large clusters of other happy people where additional happy friend, I'm sorry, I'm trying to read this and I'm not paying attention, where each additional happy friend increases a person's probability of being happy by about 9%. So every every happy friend you have increases your chances of being happy by 9%. This is coming from the University of Chicago. What about negative emotions? Same thing. You surround people that are full of sadness, depression, fatigue, stress, decreased energy levels. Of course that's going to impact you in the same manner. The University of Oklahoma and the University of Texas also did some studies on this. I have some interesting findings from them as well. Those two universities found that when individuals dislike the same people, they all of a sudden have a common connection and are more likely to form a friendship or a lasting friendship because they have a commonality and a dislike. This contagious emotion... All these things, these are skills that you can work on. Be aware of the emotions that you exude and realize how you're affecting other people. One thing I'll say, since I talk a lot about uh, different uh, emotional 
imbalances or conditions or illnesses, bipolar, borderline personality disorder, those of us that suffer from something like that, as you know, I have borderline personality disorder, those of us that suffer from one of these emotional regulation uh, disorders, we have a hard time with this because our emotions feel like they're being felt in the external world. And obviously, everything is internal. But your feeling of happiness, I don't know how to describe this. This idea of contagious emotions is like on steroids times 100 if you have borderline personality disorder. If I'm talking to someone that's upset, I feel their pain. Just like a normal person would. But with borderline, it's like steroids times 10. That emotion is so intense and so strong. And when it exudes from somebody else, it's so intense and so strong within me. That's why people with borderline appear so emotional. Crying during movies. Tearing up at the thought of something that bothered you a few days ago. Or intense happiness and joy when you watch a comedy movie and you're laughing your ass off. Any of those things. Such intense emotion. So I have a story for you. There's someone that I I didn't really know in high school, but I, I went to high school with her. She lives in Wisconsin, and I live here in Vegas. She still lives real close to where we went to high school. A couple years younger than me. And, and I don't know how, but somehow over the last couple of months, we just started talking on Facebook. We started texting. We, we hung out one time. And it was super weird because I don't really know this person. And I just, I don't know. For whatever reason, it just was not, nothing was there. I'm not attracted to her. I don't even really enjoy talking to her. But one of the main reasons I don't enjoy talking to her, and this is why I'm talking about toxicity, she is one of these people that constantly complains, constantly whines. Everybody around her is constantly doing something to piss her off, and she just has no ability to make herself happy. She's a teacher. She hates teaching. She hates the kids she teaches. She hates the parents she has to deal with. She hates the principal. She hates the school schedule. She hates being a volleyball coach, and yet she does that voluntarily. Explain that to me. She hates how many hours a day she has to spend at school. Well, guess what? This is the career you chose. You don't need to be doing lesson plans at 8 p.m. And her answer will be, well, I wasn't doing lesson plans. I'm sitting here watching the football game. Why are you watching the football game if you don't even like the kids that are playing? And if you're so upset over the fact that you have no personal time, then why are you giving literally every minute of your day to this school? 
And then she complains about her family, how her family hates her. Talks about how uh, since since high school, she's just been super depressed. She has clinical depression, and but it's not medicated or it's not medicated correctly or whatever. It's like literally, and I, I can relate to someone that feels empty and discouraged with life. I can relate to that. I can empathize with how she's feeling. But she feels that way every single day, and she complains about it all the time. And a lot of her complaints are her own choices. And that's the biggest key right there. If you're upset with your career choice, I don't care if you have clinical depression, you need to get a different career. Like I said, I can empathize with a person that is feeling empty and depressed and wants to end everything. I can relate to that. I can understand it. I can listen to someone in that situation. But when you are depressed or upset, not because of a brain imbalance, but because of choices you are making in your life, then you're not accomplishing anything by just simply complaining about those choices that you made. There are things in this world that you can control, and there are things in this world that you can't control. One of the things that you can control is your career. If that's a major source of depression or stress that you don't want in your life or that toxicity, change careers. Happiness is internal. Happiness is under your control, folks. It is. I don't know how to stress that anymore. Happiness is under your control. And I talked about this a while ago in an episode that I titled True Happiness. I want to explore that topic even more next time. Alright? I introduced it months ago. It was one of the first episodes of Third Degree Mind. If you have not listened to True Happiness, listen to it. Happiness is within your control. And I'm not talking about the kind of happiness that... You know, you just have a smile on your face and you're happy today. That's not what I'm talking about. Because none of us are happy every single minute of every single day. I know that. I'm not saying that you can be. not saying you should be. I'm not saying it's even physically possible. But true happiness, a state of mind that you are content with your life and you are a generally satisfied person, that is is 100% under your control, ladies and gentlemen, 100%. So if there are people around you that are toxic, you have to remove them from your life. And this is where I need to practice what I preach because this girl is so negative, but somehow she thinks that we're so close 
Like I said, I hung out with her once. And I live 2,000 miles away from her. We aren't that close. She doesn't make my list of close people. It's not that she's a bad person. She just, we just don't have that connection or that, that relationship, that commonality. And a big part of that is her negativity. But she's also the stage five clinger type. Okay. Like I said, we hung out one time. She's trying to plan a trip out to Las Vegas to see me, which, hey, whatever, do what you want to do. Not that I really want to hang out with her because I don't, I barely even consider her a friend. Like I said, we're, we're acquaintances, if anything, but she's planning to come out to Las Vegas and spend Christmas with me. Hell no. You remember that scene in Wedding Crashers? When, uh, when Vince Vaughn, okay, so, you know, they go to, they go to these weddings, their goal is to try to hook up with single, horny women at weddings. Well, the Vince Vaughn character ends up hooking up with a bridesmaid, uh, who, after they hook up, they, they hook up on a beach, they get up the next morning, they're getting dressed, and, and, uh, and, well, this is the conversation that they have. I always knew my first time would be on a beach. First time? You're a virgin? Mm -hmm. Wow. Jeremy, we're gonna be so happy together. I love you. I'm sorry? I love you. I'm looking all over for you. I gotta get out of here pronto. I got a stage five clinger. I don't know. I need more time. Did you hear what I just said to you? Stage five, virgin, clinger. Let's go. I'm going to start the car. I'm serious. Let's go. So, of course, he tries to get out. And, uh, yeah, well, that's the stage five clinger. And I have a feeling that this girl is exactly like that. This girl in my life is exactly like that. And should I ever hook up with her, which I will not, but should I ever hook up with her, this is exactly how our conversation would go. I'm very, she's very religious, so I'm very convinced that she is a virgin. She's very religious and believes that sex is reserved for marriage only, which is why I would never hook up with her anyways, even if I wanted to. I am 99% sure she will not have sex until her wedding night. And at this rate, I, I don't know. I don't know if she'll ever find anyone if she doesn't learn how to make herself happy because I don't know who would be attracted to that other than someone who is uh, very much wanting to find someone to fix. And they'll fall in love with a broken person, marry the broken person, try to fix the broken person, fail because the person is broken and doesn't want to fix themselves, and that will end in a very toxic marriage, which will probably end in divorce. Don't be that person. Don't be the one that just tries to fix someone. You need to surround yourselves with happiness. Some people out there are just, are just batshit crazy. I seem to find... So many people that are just batshit crazy. 
My coworkers and my friends always joke around with me because they know I go out on a lot of out on a lot of dates. And they all end up psycho. So they all make fun of me that I have because I have numerous stories of crazy people that I've tried to date, including the psychotic woman that is now my ex-wife. No other way to describe her. There are crazy people in this world, my friends. So, in honor of those crazy people, we're going to take a quick break. This old man and me We're at the bar and we We're having us some beers And swapping out on cares Talking politics Blonde and redhead chicks Old dogs and new tricks And habits we ain't kicked We talked about God's grace all the hell we raised Then I heard the old man say God is great, beer is good And people are crazy He said I fought two wars Been married and divorced what brings you to Ohio? He said, damn if I know. We talked an hour or two about every girl we knew. What all we put them through like two old boys will do. We pondered life and death. He lit a cigarette. Said these damn People are crazy Last call is 2 a.m. I said goodbye to him I never talked to him again Then one sunny day I saw the old man's face Front page obituary he was a millionaire He left his fortune to Some guy he barely knew His kids were mad as hell But me, I'm doing well And I drop by the day And just say thanks and pray And I left a six pack Right there on his grave And I said God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. 
great, beer is good, and people are crazy. Third Degree Mind was created in February of 2018, and during that short time that we've been around, our audience continuously grows at an alarming rate. In just the first four months, Third Degree Mind is consistently listened to in 20 states and four different countries around the world. One thing that's important to me is always bringing relevant content, and I think one of the best ways to do that is by sharing other people's stories and perspectives rather than just my own. That's why I'm trying to build a guest list and feature different people on the podcast to share their own experiences and struggles, and just to discuss some of the topics so that you guys can all get more than just my perspective on some of these difficult topics. If you would like to be a guest on Third Degree Mind, it's as easy as a phone call or a Skype call. Send me a message on Facebook or email borderline750 at gmail.com and we can discuss some options. I'd love to talk to you. Third Degree Mind is just a few months away from our one-year anniversary. Here we are already in October, coming up on coming up on Halloween. Let's see, we started in February. Eight months, so we're four months four months away from one-year anniversary. And the easiest the easiest way to estimate the consistent audience size is by looking at download numbers over the first 30 days that an episode is released. And on average, when we put out a new episode, that episode gets downloaded between 60 and 70 times in that first 30-day period, which is, I'm very satisfied with that number. So the goal now that I have set for myself is over the next four months, before the one-year anniversary... I want to get to 100. So I need I need your help in expanding our audience. That's adding that's adding about 40 downloads uh 40 downloads per episode. 40 new people. That's that's a, it's an optimistic goal. It's an optimistic goal. But I think I think with your help, we can get there. Facebook page has only, I don't know, last time I looked, maybe between 20 and 25 follows. So I think the first thing we need to do is we need to expand that. Facebook is the key. Well, social media in general, social networks are the key to any success, especially for young people. Target audience for Third Degree Mind when I first created it was just that, young people. It's not that I don't want some of our uh, older audience to continue listening. Of course, that is not the case. But the original target audience, when I first created Third Degree Mind, and I had no idea which direction this podcast was going to go, the original target audience who I wanted to talk to was people younger than me. Because a lot of my experiences, what I learned, I mean, the very first episode is about primarily my teenage years and into my early 20s. 
and lessons learned in that stage of life that are applicable to that audience. And for that audience, the key to success and grabbing an interest is social media, Facebook. I had a Twitter account for a while. I can't figure that shit out. I'm sticking with Facebook for now because that's, at least I know how Facebook works. More or less. So we're sticking with Facebook. But what I need from you guys, if you're not already following, and I know that some of you aren't because, like I said, I think I think we get about 50, 50 to 60 listeners within the first 30 days of a new episode. But we only got 20 to 25 of you on the Facebook page. So I want to get more of you on the Facebook page. I want to get shares and reposts. If you know someone that's having a hard time, if you know someone that struggles with some type of of mental illness, especially those ones that affect our emotional regulations, borderline, uh, bipolar, clinical depression, anything like that, that's our target audience. Help me get Third Degree Mind to 100 listeners by next February. Help me do that. And anyone that uh, referred people to Third Degree Mind, I'll be handing out $25 gift cards for Starbucks. That's, that's going to be the promotion over the next four months. $25 gift card from Starbucks if you refer at least five people to Third Degree Mind. If you refer at least five people to Third Degree Mind Podcast, $25 gift card. If you don't like Starbucks, we could talk about something else. I can get you a different gift card. But if you don't like Starbucks, we might not be very good friends. Just saying. Anyways, uh, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Third Degree Mind. I hope to talk to you again real soon. Unfortunately, as you know... Sometimes it's sporadic when I get a new episode out. I'll be going out of town again this week, going on another motorcycle trip. I'll be riding uh, from Las Vegas. We're going we're gonna go west into California for a little bit. We're gonna spend a day up in Lake Arrowhead up in the mountains there. Then we're gonna go south and back east, kind of underneath Las Vegas into Arizona. And we're gonna go up to Sedona, which I've never been to, but uh, some of the guys I'm riding with, are promising that it is well worth the trip. The original plan was Yosemite National Park. However, this time of year, I guess some of those mountain passes already have snow and are in the 30s or maybe 40s uh, temperature-wise. So that's that's a little cold. That's a little below my temperature threshold, especially if there's a possibility of snow or ice on the roads. There's no way I'm riding my motorcycle in that. So Yosemite National Park, I'm sorry, but you will have to wait until the spring. So Lake Arrowhead, Sedona, then back to Vegas. A little quick four-day trip is what we're planning. Uh, So I will talk to you uh, when I get back from that. Um, I think that's all I got 
Follow us on Apple iTunes if you haven't already. Third Degree Mind. Forgot what else I was going to say. Email. Email borderline750 at gmail.com. That's not my preferred method of contact, but I do check that email. My preferred method of contact is always on the Facebook page. Message on Third Degree Mind. And like I said before, if you don't already follow Third Degree Mind Facebook page, go over there, run over to Facebook, look us up, hit that follow button, hit that like button, whatever. And I think that's all I got. Take care, everyone. Remove those toxic people from your life and make yourself happy. Hey, it's Jay, creator and host of Third Degree Mind Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I wanted to close really quick by reminding you that Third Degree Mind is produced primarily for entertainment purposes and is not intended to treat or diagnose any mental illness and is not intended to replace clinical psychiatry. I am not a licensed therapist or physician, so if you feel that you need mental health treatment, please always seek that appropriate care in your area. 
If you're feeling actively suicidal, please call 911 or take yourself to an emergency room. If you're in the U.S., you can contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline 24-7 at 1-800-273-8255 or contact them using their online chat service at suicidepreventionlifeline.org. And once again, they are available 24-7.